Welcome to Is It Worth It? The Self-Worth Podcast. My name is Roshni. I'm the founder of Self-Worth Coaching and the CEO of Beatty Grew Up, a content creation and coaching platform. This podcast and my work are dedicated to helping you become your most empowered self and to remind you to detach your self-worth from your external life experience. This is powerful work and I am so grateful that you are joining me for another episode. To learn more, make sure that you head to the show notes below. And without further ado, let's hop into this incredible episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Is It Worth It? The Self-Worth Podcast. I am so excited to be sitting down and recording a solo episode with you all today. Before we get into it, if you hear some background noise, I really apologize. I've done my best to make this as quiet as possible with as like with the best sound quality I can make but it there's like 40 mile per hour winds outside today and so sometimes through my windows or even through my vents you might hear some noise so I just apologize in advance for that I'm going to do my best to clear it all up as much as I can um and otherwise I am just like having the coziest day I just burned some incense and did some cleansing and now I'm sitting by a candle in like my coziest gray sweats because I have to turn my heater off in order to record these podcasts as well and I am curled up with the cutest moon magic tea that I just bought from this local shop um there's a local artist who I guess works with herbs and sells these like teas that she makes and this particular tea helps you work with the moon but also I've kind of dedicated it to the man the things that I want to manifest this year and I just wrapped up the manifestation portal event last week or this past week on Wednesday so if you were able to make it to that you know how incredible and amazing it was and if you weren't able to make it we may be opening this up again I'm not sure exactly because we did want to check in with the group that came together um and check in with them every three months to kind of see how the manifestation is going and to continue and support each other so I'm not sure yet if Samara and I are going to be opening up the group for new signups in a three-month period but if we do you will definitely know about it here and especially on Instagram so make sure that you're following me there if you're not already but with all that being said I'm going to continue sipping on my juicy manifestation tea and I wanted to recap some of the biggest lessons that I've learned in 2021. So in order to do that, and when I was kind of thinking about like, what did I learn this year? One of the things that I actually did was listen to some of my old podcasts. I created a podcast of the things I learned in 2020 at the end of last year. And then I also listened to a couple of the episodes that I just made around the time of the new year in um, a, a year ago. And It's so crazy to think about how much I've grown and how little credit I was giving to myself about all those things because as a lot of you probably know or have experienced before when you enter the healing world, a lot of the focus is just on how you can grow and especially when healing and wellness intersects with business, there's a lot of focus on how can you grow your business, how can you grow your audience, how can you grow you know, your reach or your outreach or share your message with more people and all of those things are great but at the same time, like there's just this constant focus on growing and becoming better. And I love the one thing that I do love about the new year is just being able to look at the past and look at how much I've changed and grown and what I can celebrate 
large and small from the year before. And so what I wanted to share kind of four different things that I've learned. And my hope is that you can relate to a lot of these things, but also that you learn a little bit along the way. So the first thing that I really learned and got better at was not playing small anymore. And every year I realize that, you know, my my voice, my dreams, my passions, my the things that I want to accomplish, like they all grow bigger and bigger. And that is especially true from this last year. I remember like sitting down and trying to like almost bargain with the universe, like, please, can you just make one of these dream- dreams come true? Or can you just bring me, you know, one client or one this or one that? And I realized like how much I was still stopping myself. Like I felt like I could only ask for one little thing at a time or take these little crumbs. And something that has been a huge message that I've been getting from my spirit guides and just my spiritual team and also just kind of from these lessons and experiences from the universe is how to not sell myself short and how to not stop myself from all the things that I want to accomplish and allowing myself to just be honest with that. And something that comes to mind is how so many of us can fear our own power. Like we think about the things that we could accomplish or we look at our like favorite celebrities or just people that we admire in the world and see the lives that they're living and we're like, God, I wish I could have that. But like something about you is just inherently assuming that you won't have that. And and I wanted to remind you of that Marianne Williamson quote. It says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We're all meant to shine as children do. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as soon as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Oof, that is such a good and juicy quote. And I know that a lot of you have probably heard that one before, but it's always such a good reminder that it really isn't fear that stops us so much of the time. And I've come face to face with that at the start of this year, because as as I started my business, the first few years, I really was afraid of everything. I was afraid of being seen. I was afraid of success and of failure. I was afraid to put myself out there. I was afraid that people would cancel me. I was afraid that, you know, I would... I was actually afraid that I would go viral. I didn't want to promote the things that I was making. Like I had so much fear around me. And now over the last three, four years, I've shed almost all of that fear where now I feel so comfortable in front of a camera. I'm getting better and better at podcasting with every episode that I do. And now looking back, I've done this for almost two years. And there's so much of that fear that I've been able to let go. But that cleared enough debris out of the way to now look at the big thing that was the source of so much of that fear. And that was exactly what Marianne said, my own power. And realizing that my own power and the fact that I could attract the things that I want, the fact that I can live the life that I want, the fact that I can be big and not have to apologize and not make myself small and not make other people uncomfortable, like that was 
huge for me. I feel like that's what I've been coming up against or like coming head to head with recently, but it's actually been a sign of growth that I've even worked through my fears enough to get to this point. So now I'm really thinking to myself, like, what are the things that I want? Like, what is the end goal? And this reminds me, kind of speaking of manifestation, a lot of people will say, oh, I want to manifest money. But the thing is, for a lot of us, money is just kind of a means to an end. Like maybe you want to manifest money so that you can travel more or travel more extravagantly, or maybe you want to manifest money so that you can buy a house. But I just want you to keep in mind, what is the end thing? And focus on that. First of all, because the universe loves to surprise us. And sometimes it just really wants us to have things that we felt like weren't even possible. But also when you really focus on what is the end goal, you stop dreaming as small as you were before. Like previously, I could remember myself saying like years ago, I just want to make, you know, $60,000 a year, or I just want to make $24,000 a year because I know I can survive off of that. And as long as I'm surviving and working on my dream, that's all I want. And while those are I, I can just see in myself now how much I was holding myself back because I, again, was going into this bargaining mode with the universe and saying, I know I don't deserve a lot, but I do deserve this much, right? Or can you show me that I deserve this much? Can you prove to me that I deserve this much? And it was like this constant asking and this tiptoeing and this feeling that was like, I couldn't even just like stomp around or stand in my power and say this is what I want like it was like but can I have this and it there was so much like young inner child who's afraid to be themselves energy and it's funny because that's exactly who I was when I was a child I wasn't allowed to really be myself and in the ways that I was sort of allowed to be myself, I then learned how to get in my own way because I never knew when someone was going to come at me saying that I was too loud or doing too much or too boisterous or too big. And it felt like every time I put myself out there in some sort of way, a bully or a family member or a, a teacher would put me down in some sort of way. And that was something that I really internalized. And because I internalized that and expected that, I continued to manifest more of those experiences into my life. But it was that exact manifestation of bringing those things into my life that then confronted me and that forced me to confront those things enough that then led me to say, this is bullshit, I need more for myself. And that's something that the recent Venus retrograde is teaching a lot of us was it was bringing up all these questions about Am I settling? Can I have more? Am I worth more? What is my worth? How am I treating myself? Am I valuing myself? Like those are were, were a lot of the questions that the Venus retrograde brought up. So if you found yourself thinking a lot of these things recently in the last couple of months, then that could be a big reason why. But asking those questions and getting sick of the things that you've been settling for or getting sick of the things that you feel like you no longer deserve is actually that point of anger and frustration that makes you feel enough to make a change. So even if you find yourself in those situations where you're playing small or where you think you're settling, don't just try to shame yourself for it, but realize that your anger, like all your emotions, is trying to teach you something. So when you feel yourself getting fed up, ask yourself, am I in my own way? Is there something in my life or in my circumstances that's stopping me? And how can I actively 
choose better for myself so that I can have what I deserve. And even focusing on the end goal of what you want to manifest is some way of that because you might be settling for an office job that gives you $60,000 when really you just want that money so that you can go travel. And focusing on traveling or finding ways to get out of the country or doing these things that actually are the thing that you want is going to take you out of that settling mode, right? Because the universe also does like to play with us sometimes. So if you are in that place where you're saying, I just want this money so I can go travel, the universe might give you the most boring, frustrating job with the worst, most micromanaging boss. And you're like, I got the thing that I wanted, but this isn't what I want at all, right? And that's why getting out of your own way not being afraid of your own power and asking for the things that you really want is so important because you're learning how to play big. You're learning how to actually enter the ball game. And that metaphor kind of reminds me of Brene Brown and how she talks about vulnerability being like, you're in the ring. Even if you're fucking up and making the worst mistakes, or even if you lose the battle, you're winning the war because you're in the ring. You're doing something about it. And that immediately makes Makes you more powerful and more authentic and more vulnerable than anyone who's standing on the sidelines watching for you or even cheering you on because you're doing the damn thing even if it sucks and even if it's hard and even if you're covered in mud and shit half the time you know and that's the thing that I've been realizing and also the thing that keeps pushing me to play bigger and bigger is that feeling of at least I'm doing it and even all the times that I was so covered in self-doubt and frustration at the beginning of my journey, I kept putting one foot in front of the other. I took breaks, I rested, but I kept going. And so many of you are doing the same thing. You keep going and moving forward, even through the days that feel like absolute garbage. And because you're doing that, you are telling the universe that I believe in myself enough. I value myself. I believe in my worth enough that I can see through the end of the tunnel, right? I can see that there is a reason why I'm doing all this. And even if that reason is your own value and nothing else, that is so much more worth it than anything else that you could be spending your time or energy doing. The second thing I want to talk about is I've really learned how to embrace my fluidity and embrace my authenticity and the different sides of me so much more in this last year. And it's so funny that TikTok was actually one of the things that kind of reminded me of like this amazing emo music that I used to listen to. And I don't know why I hadn't listened to like this whole genre of music that I was obsessed with growing up. Like I was a scene kid back in the day, but I loved emo and I loved metal and I loved screamo and I loved techno. Like I loved it all. And there was so much of that music that was, I mean, if you were alive around that time or if you were in a similar kind of community or group of friends, like, you know what I'm talking about. It was such a vibe and it was like everything, music was everything to us, right? Like you woke up listening to your iPod and you wore your band tees to school and like it was just a lifestyle. And I can't believe that I hadn't reconnected with that music or with that side of myself in so long. And I just realized how many more sides to me there were that I kind of started ignoring. And I think part of it was, oh, I'm an adult now. I have to grow up. I have to get a job and I'm working on my business. And these are like the adult things that I'm doing now. But there was also the side of it that 
was really brought on by this need to be productive and this need to be doing something valuable or important all the time. And I still feel like I'm doing things that are valuable and important, but the definition of what counts as valuable and important has changed for me recently. And one of the episodes of my podcast that I was listening to from a year ago was about rest and productivity. And I just listening to that, I realized how much I've grown in that aspect. Like there used to be so much guilt around myself anytime I wasn't productive. And because of those extreme like months of burnout that I went through, I realized how much it just was actively hurting me to be so productive and actively hurting me to not value myself and my time. But another massive thing that helped me was working with um, on... Instagram, her username is my coach Aditi, but she was a coach that I worked with one on one for a few months in the summer of 2021. And one of the things that we worked on was understanding my human design. And I'm a projector and I need a lot of rest, but that amount and time of rest is what allows me to have amazing creative ideas. But I can only access that level of creativity if I'm not working all the time and doing stupid busy work like I used to fill my time with, right? So anyways, regardless of those tangents, if you're a fellow projector, you also totally understand me. But um, I realized that I just like it just was not in my personality. It wasn't in my nature. And it wasn't in it wasn't beneficial in any sort of way, especially for my health for me to be productive all the time. And so through TikTok and rediscovering old music and having this kind of like there were even like kids who are more like in the Gen Z age range who are bringing back like being seen or bringing back emo and in just style and in everything that they do and it was so inspired me to remember like some of the most fun and exciting times of my life and also to reconnect with my inner teenager like for so much of my healing journey I'd been reaching out to my inner child but I forgot about my inner teenager and it was so much fun to like be rebellious and even do things like dye my hair or jam to like loud music and let myself go. And I started going to like heavy metal shows in my city, like just super local small shows, but they're so fun to just be able to like let loose and like feel the music. And through the pandemic, it had been so long since I'd been to a concert, even though like I used to go to concerts like every month pre-pandemic. And um, so to be able to just kind of experience live music again and to have these moments for myself where I just got lost in the feeling of music in my body, that lost in the feeling of dancing, lost in just the moment. Like it had been so long since I was fully present in anything like that. And all of my time was spent worrying about the future or worrying about being successful one day or making money or, you know, whatever. And accepting that all of these parts of me that aren't just the parts that want to be productive or the parts that want to be successful was the most liberating thing I'd been through in a long time. And another correlation that I realized was at the beginning of my healing journey, I really felt like I couldn't have fun anymore. And part of that resulted from the lack of self-trust that I had in myself because when I first began my healing journey, I was also kind of leaving my past with drugs and drinking behind because you know going to concerts or going to parties and dancing was always affiliated with drinking or being out with my friends and and doing drugs or whatever like that I, I kind of 
threw that whole part of myself and my personality away because I couldn't trust myself to be responsible or to continue living in that kind of environment, right? Not even living, but just putting myself in those experiences. And so because of that, I went through those decisions of just cutting that entire part of my life off. And I don't necessarily regret it. I think it was the right thing for me to do at the time and kind of experiencing a whole new life cold turkey was basically what I needed. But now I'm at the place where I'm healthy enough where I'm not going to immediately fall back into like any sort of negative like substance issues or any sort of negative patterns, but I can take the good without the bad. Like I've, I've gone through enough of my healing journey and evolved as a person and have a whole new set of priorities and values, not to mention I'm just not 19 anymore, you know? And so because of that, I don't have an interest in drinking a lot or getting blackout, but I love dancing and I love music and I've been able to reintroduce those things into my life and accept that fluidity and bring back that fun inner teenager kind of rebellious side of myself without doing it in a way that's dangerous or that sacrifices any of my current values. And I want to continue learning how to navigate that balance and walking that line of just having more fun in my life and having more moments where I'm truly present. And another aspect of my fluidity that I've really been able to kind of harness and work on is understanding what being non-binary means to me. And a big part of me felt like, oh, I'm only going to be non-binary when I have, a, you know, a different name or I have these certain clothes or I look this certain way. And working on my style and presentation and feeling more like myself is a goal that I have for myself, but it's not about that at all. And it's just about exiting this gender binary and creating this new place for myself where I can play and where I can learn who I am. And I realized how much of my gender I really have been forced to be. And even thinking about like my inner child, I was so much more of a tomboy, but I wasn't really allowed to be that. And I think my whole life I've had these aspects of myself. And I know that sometimes people who aren't as familiar with this, or even myself, when I first started learning about like, what even is non-binary? And what, what does that mean to different people? And is that like this one set thing? Or does it mean something different to everyone? Like, I, I think a lot of people get confused, because it's like, well, women can be anything and men can be anything. And if you're a feminist, then a woman doesn't have to be like a pretty girl who sits around wearing dresses. And all of that is true, absolutely. And and that's, I kind of always related to that side of being a woman more where I was like, I'm going to do whatever I want and be whatever I want. And I'm not going to let the fact that I am a woman stop me. Like that's how I used to think. But when I really learned about existing outside of the gender binary, and when I learned about just stepping into what makes me me without labels and being able to opt out of a system that I see that's only creating harm and creating more examples in the world of what that can look like as a South Asian person or as just a, an example of a human in general choosing themselves or having this whole new place where they can exist and feel free. Like, to me, it really is about freedom. And I'm constant, I, for some reason, like I have so many thoughts in my head that aren't coming out the right way 
verbally. (laughs) And I'm going to continue to keep trying to explain, not explain, but like express what I'm really thinking and feeling. And for some reason, like it just feels so difficult at times. But for me, like non-binary really is this feeling and it's the feeling of freedom and it's the feeling of liberation. And that's like, I just really am struggling to explain it, but I think the girls who get it, get it. (laughs) Um, If you TikTok, you know what I'm talking about. But basically the people who know what I'm talking about or who identify with this experience, I think can relate to a lot of what I'm saying. But that was just another area in my life where I learned to honor my fluidity and learn to value myself at different phases of who I am, whether I'm feeling more masculine or I'm feeling more feminine or I'm feeling like nothing or I'm feeling like both, like what, wherever I am on any sort of spectrum, I've learned to accept and celebrate that and not force myself to fit into any sort of box, any sort of mold, any sort of stereotype. And it, the same thing goes with, you know, just those aspects of my personality that I put on the back burner or even with, rest like before I used to think I am not a productive person if I'm not productive 24 7 and now I've been able to get to this place where I realize like I'm a productive person no matter what and if I want to rest I'm going to rest but that doesn't change my inherent identity of me being a productive person who and really productive to me just means like looking at your goals with action and determination. That doesn't mean I have to act on my business 24 hours a day, 24-7. That doesn't mean that I have to work harder and not smarter. That doesn't mean I can't take breaks or vacations or be present in the moment and go to different things that, that I enjoy or spend time with people I love. Like, All of those things are possible for me. And so expanding the definition of what I have to do at any given time to align with that part of my personality, that's what I've given up. And that's what I mean by honoring my fluidity. So I hope that that resonates and I hope that that made sense. (laughs) The third thing I want to talk about is a big one. And that is family boundaries. So if you were following me on Instagram around like July and August of 2021, you would have seen that I basically was more vulnerable with my Instagram stories than I ever have been. And I went home to visit my family and came back with a lot of stress and some kind of um, borderline traumatic experiences. And just it, it was a lot of confusion and pain and frustration and anger and feelings of being betrayed by people who I really loved and love and admire. And because of that, um, I eventually decided to make a huge shift. And I don't really want to say cut off, but basically go low contact with my family. I guess that's the best way to say it. Um, So it was a huge decision for me, and a lot of you were along for the ride with that. And for those of you who are new or, you know, weren't able to catch those, like I basically was told that all the decisions, all the decisions that I'd made in my life were bad decisions and that I needed to change everything about my life. And those things obviously hit me to my core and they made me feel so unworthy and so disrespected and so betrayed because the whole idea behind it was all these people know better than you do 
you're being almost mocked. And regardless of what you think is best for you, that's something that as a family, we're not going to support. And also, like, you, we don't really even respect you enough to understand or consider you having the ability to make your own decisions. Woo, that was, it was a lot. It like, it was like a huge gut punch to my very core. And that's when I knew I had to do something. And this was also kind of at the tail end of my one-on-one coaching. And I realized how much I needed to make a, make a stand for myself and make a choice. And I finally felt strong enough to do that. And before it never seemed like a possibility for me. A big part of what I learned in this area was that I'm capable of rewriting my mindset and my narrative, even around these core things that I think are fundamental truths. And this is something that I talk about with my clients all the time because I knew I was capable of shifting my mindset. I know anyone is capable of shifting your mindset, but through working with my clients, a lot of the things that you think are fundamentally true, a lot of the things that you think cannot budge, there's not an option or a choice. Those are actually the things that we have a lot of choice around. So one of the things was, and I feel like if you're a South Asian woman or, you know, South Asian woman plus or South Asian femme, you might relate to this idea that, there, there's this collective limiting belief that we have that tells us that we don't have a choice. We're not allowed to set boundaries with our family. We're not allowed to complain about things that we're going through. We're not allowed to go against the grain and choose ourselves when we're clearly being pushed towards a different direction. And there is a countless number of brown women and femmes who have gone out there and challenged those exact norms. But for so many of us, there's a lot of guilt that comes with that or a lot of fear if you're not at that place of doing those things yet. There is so much fear and self-doubt and lack of self-trust that comes with it. And that's because we're actively taught self-doubt and we're actively taught to sacrifice ourselves and put ourselves last. And That's a whole other tangent that I could go on, and that's exactly why I created my self-trust course for South Asian women specifically and femmes, because like, we need this. We are actively taught the opposite of all these things, but when you realize that it is something that is possible for you to not doubt yourself, it is possible to set boundaries with your family, it is possible to enforce boundaries, it's possible to just go against the grain and make a change or be what you want to be like learning that and not just learning it and consciously knowing it but doing something about it manifesting it in the real world by taking that action that was a huge lesson for me and I realized how strong I really am and the months after that it was the hardest thing I'd ever done I had again self-doubt about that decision I second-guessed myself I felt afraid. I felt guilty every day for like months. And a lot of my really close friends and my partner know that. Like 
I was struggling with so much guilt around that decision, but now I'm at the place where I know it was the right thing for me to do. And even yesterday, I was feeling guilt and I was feeling, you know, some triggering thoughts around this. But one thing I can't deny is that I am happier in my day-to-day life. I'm making other decisions in other areas of my life and feeling confident in those. And my entire concept of self-doubt around all the other decisions in my life has nearly vanished because I made the connection that so much of that self-doubt and fear and lack of self-trust was coming directly from that source in my life. It was getting reinforced and reinforced every time we were in contact, every time we had any sort of conversation, everything came back down to every choice you're making is a bad one. And by being able to sever myself from that, I was also able to shift my perspective of my identity. My identity now is of someone who trusts themselves, who sets boundaries and enforces them, who stands up for themselves, who is just more powerful than ever before. And I made an episode, one of my favorite podcast episodes that I recorded was called Seeking Permission. And if you haven't listened to that, it's a few episodes back. I highly, highly, highly recommend that you go and check that episode out. It is such a good one, but that was what I was doing was seeking permission. And I had this weird codependent kind of enmeshed experience when it came to my family and that's true for so many other South Asian women and femmes like you you are taught to be codependent you're taught to not make decisions on your own you're taught to seek permission from the people around you which then teaches you that everyone else around you should be put on a pedestal and you need to sacrifice yourself for them for the greater good And there's so many beautiful things about a communal society and a communal culture. I do think that focusing on community and communal cultures is the future. It's also the past. And by the past, I mean, that's how our ancestors survived. That's how humans survived. So that is an aspect of the human nature that we need to continue growing into and celebrating is like this communal aspect. But I truly don't think that we are serving our communities the best if everyone isn't also allowed to be who they are. Community does not have to mean conformity. And when we make that distinction in our minds that we are able to be there, have groups of people or have intergenerational families that exist and coexist and love each other, having a chosen family or a community that you can rely on, those things I think are going to take us to the next level collectively. But the only way that that can happen is if we're not all the same person. We need to go back to being celebrated for our uniqueness, our individualities. And a lot of those things I truly feel existed before colonization. There are so many tribes or cultures in the world that existed, especially pre-colonization, that celebrated more than two genders or that celebrated different aspects of being, that celebrated, you know, people who had different gifts or different abilities because there was a celebration of individuality in a lot of ways. But I truly think now we have had kind of a renaissance when it comes to identity and the person and who we are and what we believe and who we can be. And that's something that I want to continue seeing, but it's only going to work if we continue to embrace those people into our lives. How many years and decades and centuries has it been of people who are slightly different having to hide themselves or even 
end their lives because there was no place in the society for them. And that is so messed up. And so celebrating our individuality is this aspect of community that I think is absolutely vital and essential. And learning how to be yourself and stand in your own power and not have to sacrifice yourself for everyone around you is I think the most valuable lesson that you can honestly learn and something that every person who struggles with these things needs to learn in their lives because you're losing so much by not being able to experience that. You're losing all this time in your life when you can wake up to your authentic self and waking up and being authentic and being able to be cherished and held in the real world for that. Like there is nothing better. That is the stuff of life. That is what is worth living. And the last thing that I want to talk about that I learned this year was really the concept of religious trauma. I don't even know that religious trauma was like a phrase or was an actual thing. And on TikTok, again, I discovered the like hashtag or the community of ex-evangelicals. And for those of you who don't know, I was raised as an evangelical Christian. And so that is contributed to me in ways that I didn't realize had messed me up so much. And another incredible resource that I discovered this year was Erin from the Living Open podcast and that podcast in general explores a lot of themes around religious trauma and her account and that podcast helped me a lot in realizing like this is a thing and there's so many threads of religious trauma that have affected my life and my personality And I was actually a guest on that podcast recently. If you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend going and checking it out because it was such a beautiful episode and I loved what I was able to share on that. But we also just had such a good conversation about Christianity and self-worth and learning how to trust yourself and all the good things that I, I normally talk about. So if that's something that you're interested in, I highly recommend checking it out. Um, but I didn't realize that there were so many layers of Christianity that were still kind of putting me in these modes of guilt or shame and that I hadn't really realized and figured out what to do with yet. One of the biggest lessons that I also had around this was how much I was still kind of using this overlaying feeling of this omnipresent God to kind of keep me in my place, almost to play small. Playing small and this feeling of God are super related in my story, at least. And I, even though, like, I, as a teenager, I was a very strong atheist. Like, there came this point where I confronted a lot of my religious beliefs and realized that the things that I were taught to be true weren't the things that I really believed and were honestly teaching me to be a hateful person. And when I realized that, I started to kind of free myself from a lot of those religious constructs. But by doing that, I kind of went 180 and became a super staunch like atheist. I was very against any sort of organized religion. I was very much into science and I was constantly reading like these books on religion and atheism and like all the Richard Dawkins like God delusion stuff like all, the whole like that whole 
sphere of people and writing and all of that stuff. Like I was heavily involved in that as a teenager and really found a lot of liberation through reading those things. And so it was honestly kind of a huge surprise to me that I found myself almost doing like another 180 and coming back to these beliefs in the universe or in something greater or in supernatural things and even the spirit world and other realms like I'd always I guess believed in aliens or other forms of life even if it's not what we think of as real aliens like in the movies but other than that I didn't really have any sort of belief in like the universe or in spirits or in anything like that and so for me to kind of come back and believe in these things again I guess it kind of was like religious whiplash in a way what I realized is that I had been using my newfound idea of the universe almost as this way of measuring my morality. And that kind of goes along with why I cut out having fun or, you know, just enjoying time with my friends or spending time not working. Like I almost felt like I had to put myself in a tiny little box and keep myself at home and keep myself working because it was almost like that, that saying, like the idle hands are the devil's plaything. Like I felt like the second I allow myself to enjoy life or the second that I allow myself to rest, I'm going to get myself in some kind of trouble. And that feeling of I'm going to do something wrong came from this concept of the universe is going to judge me. I am being tested by the universe on all of my morals. I'm constantly being tested to see if I deserve good things, if I deserve things to manifest, if I deserve success or money. I have to live up to this perfect way of life in order to get anything back from the universe or I just have to be perfect to be perfect because otherwise like sky daddy's gonna be mad at me you know and all of those things like I didn't know how to coincide a belief in the universe and a belief in nature and energy and the natural world and all of these things with what I previously saw as religion and God before and because my time in the middle I was such a strong atheist like I just wasn't worried about it I was more nihilistic and thinking that nothing mattered and so fuck it just do what you want because nothing mattered and what I'm realizing now is that the universe really does not have a say or have a particular thing for us that it wants in terms of like morality. I'm still kind of working like how are you ever supposed to know 100% what the universe wants but I'm still kind of just unlearning this idea that I'm here as like a mere pleb like I have talked about before online and through my work. I'm here as a mere pleb and the universe is like this big giant thing that's circling above me that's watching me and telling me how to live and looking at my every move and you know it's things like that that really made me feel like almost paralyzed by fear because judgment is something that I was so afraid of because so much of like religion but Christianity especially tells you to deny everything that is your human existence to not be human to be ashamed of things like sexuality or just your earthly desires like you're not supposed to have those things and all of those things are demonic or come from the devil or are your your worth and your value lies in resisting temptation in any sort of form and so how am I supposed to coincide that with the feeling that the universe is this giant energy and 
is all of us, but also makes up everything. And how am I supposed to feel like that isn't watching me or that isn't judging me? And so separating those ideas from that kind of religious fear and religious trauma from what I believe now has been stickier than I realized. But again, connecting to communities like ex-evangelicals, that has been a huge part of what has helped me feel liberated in this process and helped me feel like I'm not alone in having all these weird residual thoughts that are putting me down or forcing me to play small. Um, and I also just want to urge you, whether you grew up, you know, in that kind of religious sphere or not, what what are these like big things in life that are keeping you playing small, you know, related to my first point, like, is it this overarching fear? Do you think you're going to be selfish? Do you think that having money is going to make you a bad person? Do you feel like you don't want to thrive under capitalism? Or like, you know, you you want to be against the system. So you are trying to not be in it, but we're all in it. And so like, what are these like kind of big invisible forces like politics or like certain beliefs that are keeping you playing small? And I don't know what the answers are. They're going to be different for everyone. But I do want you to question those things for yourself just so that you can continue getting out of your way and realize all the things that have maybe been in the background of your mind that have kind of created this tunnel vision around what's possible for you and what you deserve. The last thing that I want to talk about is my money mindset. Um, I don't know if I said the last point was the last thing, but this is the real last point. So I've been working actively on my money mindset for the last few years. Everything from, you know, reading books or doing journaling or just figuring out like I took an entire course on, you know, my money mindset and how to exist within capitalism and all these different things I have chosen to do to actively confront my money mindset. But the big breakthrough that I've had recently is truly giving myself credit, not just for how far I've come, but from from where I actually started. I think I had internalized a lot of my money mindset in terms of I believe this, I believe that. And that was, it was good for me to take control over my mindset and what it is now. But I don't think I fully gave myself enough credit for how much of my negative money mindset I was taught. And a lot of us are taught this, right? Like I was literally actively taught things that are like envy or being taught like to almost be bitter about people who had a lot of wealth or who could spend money because we were so not in that place financially. And I internalized all of those things so much more than I realized. Like money has been the biggest and most difficult point of growth in my life and also one of the areas that I've made the most progress in. Like when you think about being actively taught to dislike someone because they have money or being in situations where someone points out, look at their jewelry, look at what they're wearing, look at how much that costs, you could never afford that. You will never have that. I wish I could give that to you, but I can't. Like a lot of those things were phrases that I grew up with almost on a daily basis. And for so long, while the positive side of me was taking control of my money mindset and asking myself what I can do to change it now, a big part of me also wasn't giving myself credit for how I was actively taught to have a negative mindset. A big part of me was at the same time shaming myself for where my money mindset was. I was experiencing a ton of shame when it came to, you know, why are you 
Why do you feel this way? You're the one who decided to be bitter and angry about this. You're the one who, you know, thought this and thought that. And while I, again, will always and can always take control of where I am mentally, I had to give myself credit for the things that I was actively taught and realize that there's no point in shaming myself for all of the mindsets that I'd essentially inherited from my environment. And a lot of it was also reinforced by the extremely wealthy people that I grew around, like grew up around, like everyone around me was so wealthy my entire life. And so it literally felt like the universe singled me out and made me struggle with finances. And so much of that struggle has been internalized and has then made money this huge battle. And one of the things that I've grown away from is also seeing money as a battle or using words like that to describe my relationship with money. Because I have had so many beautiful experiences with money over the last few over the last couple of years but it's really just that aspect of that shame that I'm finally liberating myself from feeling so ashamed that I felt so negatively about money and feeling so embarrassed that I was angry or bitter or that I would be jealous of people and by now like now I'm at the place where if I see someone thriving on social media I'm happy for them and I say I'm I affirm that for me too like good for you and I want that one day also or good for you like that means it's also possible for someone like me right and being able to take joy in other people's experiences and being able to also look at that as something that means it's possible for you too and that you don't have to take anything away from them or they're not taking anything away from you like fully just embodying abundance in every way that's been what my money mindset journey has been about lately and abundance exceeds the realms of just finances, right? Like just the other day I was at a store and I decided to pick something up for one of my friends. Like I did that the other day for another couple of my friends. And it's not about like bragging or buying luxurious gifts for no reason. Like it really was just like, I love my friends and I want to celebrate them. And I saw something that reminded me of them and it made me feel so good to surprise them with a little gift or with just them realizing that I'd been thinking of them. Also, just giving myself time in the form of rest or in other aspects has been like I've just been aligning with abundance more and more now than ever. But a big part of that has been seeing myself as a conduit for that abundance. I think a lot of us on this journey of manifesting money, we're so not used to receiving that we have to practice receiving and being okay with that, whether it's receiving compliments or funds or gifts. And and through that, though, you can kind of get stuck in that receiving part. But when you start seeing yourself as this cycle of abundance, not that you can't save money or not that you can't grow your own wealth because those things are also there, but you can grow your own wealth and save money and be a conduit of abundance for other people around you anyway, right? All of those things can exist in tandem. So allowing yourself to be another resource of abundance, another person in the world who's willing to pay for the people behind them at the drive through or who's willing to drop off extra food when you have extra groceries or when you decide to go to the store buying something for the local shelter, like whatever those small ways are of you being that form of abundance that resonate for you, 
allowing yourself to just see yourself that way reminds you of how much you have to be grateful for. And like, this is one of those lessons that like, as I'm saying it out loud, I'm like, God, this is so basic, but it's so fundamental. Like you truly enjoy life less when you're not giving and you experience abundance less when you're only receiving and not giving that back out. And that brings me to another point, which is some of the most abundant feelings to receive is someone else's gratitude, right? So again, with giving gifts, like even if it's not a huge extravagant luxury gift, giving someone something that makes you, that makes them feel seen and that makes them realize that you were thinking of them, that opens you up to receive gratitude from that person. And when you're not only expressing gratitude for what you have in life, and for the people in your life, but gratitude is being expressed back to you, I feel like that's what closes out that cycle of abundance, right? And so you give gratefully, and you receive gratefully, and you experience things gratefully, and like that aligns you with this whole aspect that makes the small things seem so small, and so dull, and so insignificant, because like you're aligning with these things that are so above all the things that are these day-to-day experiences that drag you down. You know what I mean? Like if you are having kind of a bad day and you go through the line at Starbucks and someone buys your drink for you without even knowing who you are, you are so grateful that that's most likely something that you will tell people about or spend the rest of your day thinking about. And that's beautiful. And so gratitude truly does make other things shrink. And that's been a huge part of my abundance and money mindset that I've been like embodying another aspect of my money mindset is just that piece that I said before about identity when you always say I can't afford that I'm broke that's uh maybe later that also keeps you attached to that negative money mindset so instead when you say there's more where that came from or I'm going to invest in this thing that those sayings can hold you back so much because you're aligning your identity with of someone who does not see themselves as part of this flow of abundance that doesn't see things to be grateful for that feels like they are just limited right you're reaffirming that limitation every time you say things like that and so even if it might be true or even if you feel like it might be true again the things that we think are fundamental truths are our biggest limiting beliefs So when you allow yourself to start thinking, how can I be a little bit more abundant? How can I, maybe maybe being more abundant is actually spending less money because then you're not at that edge of having zero dollars in your bank account all the time. Or maybe aligning yourself with abundance is giving away those bag of clothes that's been sitting in your car or sitting in the back of your closet for eight months now. There's so many things that you can do that remind you that first of all, material things aren't everything, but also that gratitude and that believing that there's more out there and that you are part of that cycle of what makes the entire universe and world experience abundance. That feeling 
is like none other. And so finding little ways of cultivating pockets of abundance into your day-to-day life, into your monthly cycles is so important and is something that can truly just help you see the value in the little things so much more. And like, it just breaks my heart when I see people say things like, I'm just too broke because that used to be my life story. And it was true until I stopped saying it. It was true until I stopped saying it. So starting with just catching yourself when you think that or when you say that. And for a lot of us, we say that like 20 times a day. Like that was literally what I said all the time when I was in college. And like, it can, it can just be so much better. And I've experienced so many ups and downs in my money story over the last couple of years. As a lot of you know, I lost my job right before the pandemic. The pandemic hit. It was so hard for me to find another job, even though it's never been hard for me to find a job in my life. So that was already an ego hit. But there were so many ups and downs when it came to my financial well-being. And now I'm at a place where... I may be looking at going to a nine to five job, right? Like I did get a job offer. I believe that might be what's coming up for me, even though I'm still holding out in the hopes that that's not going to be what I have to do. But regardless, like the energy and the perspective that I'm coming at this is just that this job is increasing my wealth. And before, even with the jobs that I had, I didn't have multiple streams of income. Like for so long, I dreamed about having multiple streams of income. And now I do through investing and through my business and now through another job, right? And so thinking about it from the framework of I'm growing, I'm expanding, and like my wealth goals are currently being hit. Like that's huge. And again, that puts me back in this mindset of abundance. Whereas on the other side, I could have looked at this as a complete lack. I could have said, I'm not making enough in my business to sustain myself. I don't have enough clients or this and that, or or my clients aren't wealthy enough. Or I could have come up with a million things to say that were putting me down, putting my business down, decreasing the value that my business truly is providing. I could have convinced myself that I need to lower my prices again so that I could find some clients even though I would then be making less money even if I had the clients that I want. Like, you know, all those things would have come together to put me in a position of feeling lack in some way or another. Whereas now through all the perspective shifting that I've done, I realized like, no, I'm just expanding. Like I get paid well through this job and I get paid well through the other things that I'm doing. And if all of those things grow at the same time, like how beautiful is that? How great is that? Like I am only seeing possibility, opportunity, and abundance everywhere that I look. And that has been such a beautiful way to start off this year, but that hasn't been without me actively choosing those things. So there's a lot of us that are walking that fine line between like, I'm waiting to see it before I believe it, but you believing it will create it. So focus on believing, focus on the things that you already have because you have more than what you're giving yourself credit for. And the more that you continue that belief, the more that the things you have will expand. And then there comes your proof and your proof keeps building as your beliefs keep expanding. It's almost like your comfort zone is here and the area around it keeps growing of what your realm of possibilities are. And then as your realm of possibilities grow, more things get put into your comfort zone and then that 
feeling of comfort expands. And as that expands, your realm of possibilities expand. Like it really is limitless and it really is endless. So it's just about starting somewhere and not putting yourself down for where, from where you're starting because there is so much growth to be had. There is so much life to be experienced. There is so much beauty to be seen. And I want that for you. So if you're ready to start making a lot of these changes that I've been talking about, or if you resonate with what I've shared in this episode, and you're curious about how you're holding yourself back and what worthiness wounds you're holding on to, this is your time to book self-worth coaching sessions. I have a couple of options. You can book a one-on-one single session, which is you and I on Zoom for either 60 minutes or a 90-minute session where we just do a deep dive into what are you believing? What are your limiting beliefs right now? What are the things that you can start to unlearn? What are the worthiness wounds that you are using to hold yourself back right now? What are the stories you're telling yourself? And we will work together to rewrite that narrative for you and start shifting that mindset so that you can see the things that you want as possibilities and then as realities for yourself. And when I tell you like how exciting it has been to see my clients grow, over the last year and two years, like I have seen physical transformations in my clients like none other. The amount of things that they're willing to put themselves out there for, the fears that they've overcome, like I cannot tell you how happy it makes me to see this in my clients. Like I literally was tearing up thinking about it the other day because like their lives are different from when we started working together and it wouldn't have been the kind of difference that just a year or time passing makes. It's the kind of difference that's made when you are intentional about what you want to create, what you want to leave behind, and what is possible for you. And when you don't believe in yourself, I'm there to believe in you. That is what is so beautiful about this one-on-one work. This is your time for yourself. This is your space where you get to grow and explore and be and exist and be held for who you are. Like as much as I prioritize growth, Growth doesn't come from a place where you don't inherently value yourself. And that's what self-worth is. And that's why I'm so freaking passionate about self-worth. Because when you address that core of not believing in yourself, and when you address that core of not valuing yourself, everything then becomes trivial and just a possibility that's just, oh, I can just go out and get it. And so focusing on that core of valuing yourself creates that ripple effect, not only for yourself, but for the people around you. And then the people around around you grow and you all get to grow together and like oh my god it's just so beautiful like uh I don't know where I would be without the work of self-worth in my life truly so single sessions are one way that you can work with me I actually have 10 spots left for January and I have 10 spots I believe still left for February as well for single session self-worth coaching so the link is going to be in the show notes below or you can go to my website betigrewup.com that's where you can find um, all of my service. There's a little tab there that says work with me and you can find all of the offerings that I have. But right there, there's a link to book either a 60 or a 90 minute session with me. And right now for the entire rest of the month of January, I'm offering 10% off of any of your introduction 
introductory self-worth sessions. So if you've been listening to this podcast or wondering about it or just been curious, your first session will be 10% off. So don't miss out on this opportunity. If you're curious, now is the time to take advantage of that. And the second way that you can work with me, if you are like not messing around and you know that you need this work and like you are so ready to take this seriously and you are ready for a massive transformation in your life and in your mindset, I'm not asking. My three-month coaching program is for you. So the waitlist has opened up. I do have room to take on new clients. Oh my gosh. So I was on a roll and then the software that I was recording on was like, we're out of room, <laughs> basically telling me to shut up. So um, I apologize if the sound is different or anything. I'm now using my phone to record the remainder of this. So I don't know exactly where I was left off, but if you are, are not messing around at all, and you know that you are ready for a massive transformation, I'm not asking is the course for you. So that is my three-month coaching program where we have set meetings once a week at least. And there's also room for like one or two more bonus sessions depending on what you're going through. If we need to like hop on a call because you're having a really difficult time or a really difficult day, you will have priority first of all, to my calendar and to my schedule overall, but you'll also have the ability to have not only one coaching session every single week for 12 weeks, but also potential bonus sessions based on what you're going through during that three-month period. But not only do you get the actual sessions where we sit down and we do a lot of deep work and really connect with one another, but I'm also going to open up access to me in between those sessions. So that means that every day or every couple of days or whenever you feel like reaching out and talking through something or giving me an update on something or celebrating something like whatever it is we will be able to send voice notes back and forth to one another or you can always send me a typed you know message if that's more your thing but you'll have access to me in between sessions which is honestly unheard of for a lot of programs because not only is this one-on-one -on -one, and not only is this entire three months devoted to you but you get to have that almost real-time communication so I'm going to be setting aside some time every single day to check in with your messages it's not like I will instantly be available at any minute because I have to set strong boundaries for myself too but there will be a time time period within every 24 hour period where I'm checking in with those messages and we might be able to connect in real time as well but this is about like you have someone in your corner whenever you need them for three months like this is not a little tiny program or a couple of videos that you're watching and doing like answering a journal prompt like this is the real work and something that I've really been enriching my coaching practice with lately is embodiment practices so that includes breathing techniques, meditation techniques. I write my own meditations. I'm not sure if you know that. If you're curious, I actually have a free embodiment, empowering, empowering embodiment meditation that you can actually download. I'll link it in the show notes below as well. Um, but I write personalized meditations for my one-on-one -on -one clients. So if there is an experience that you want to work through, or if there's just, you're just going through a lot, I will literally write a personalized meditation for you for us to do together 
all the sessions will be recorded. So then you'll have a recording of that meditation to do at any point. And things like that is what makes my coaching practice so freaking powerful because I'm not just like sending you this bit of advice and then you're off on your own. Like, no, you are in this with someone. And to have someone on your side as you're going through some of the most difficult and empowering transformations of your life, like that is unheard of to have that kind of support. And it is so impactful. Like it truly teaches you that nothing you can do can push someone away in that sense of like you are valued and you are allowed to be yourself and you are in this container that gives you permission to express the things that need to that you need to express or to explore the things that you never had room and time and space to explore so when I'm saying like this is transformative work that's what I mean So before this episode gets too long, I'm going to start wrapping it up here, but this is the time to work together if you want to work together. I actually only have two spots available for I'm not asking right now. There's only two spots for this three-month coaching program at this time. If you are interested, there's an application below. There's space in the application to leave me any questions that you have. And from that application is when I will get back to you. So again, the link to my single service sessions, the link to my application for my three-month program, the link to the embodiment meditation that I just spoke about, all of that will be in the show notes below. Make sure you go ahead and check that out, or you can find it all at my website, www.beti grew up. I cannot wait to meet more of you. I cannot wait for you to experience what high self-worth looks and feels like when you are living it in your day-to-day life. Like, oh my God, I just cannot wait. This is going to be such a crazy and impactful and amazing year. And with all of that being said, I love you so much. Have a beautiful rest of your day or your evening. Happy healing. Thank you so much, as always, for joining me for another episode of Is It Worth It? If you've been enjoying this episode and think it would be helpful for others, please make sure that you rate and review the podcast. It really helps me so, so much in supporting the podcast and helping it reach new audiences. And if you are able to write a review and email me a screenshot at hello at betigrewup.com, you'll be able to receive 10% off of any of my single session services. So that includes single session self-worth coaching and single session tarot readings. All links to my other content, my services are all going to be in the show notes below. Thank you again so, so much. I deeply appreciate your listenership and I hope you have a beautiful day ahead.